very warm welcome to all of you here and those watching in. It's good to be together again this evening to worship God. Do join us for tea and coffee afterwards. Uh, it would be good to have you join us for that. Well, I'm going to start this evening by reading a few verses from Psalm 103. During the Christian life, there can be many times that we are discouraged by our own failings and our own sin. Uh, but this is how the Lord deals with us. Uh, or if you're not a Christian, if you're an unbeliever, and you're plagued with guilt, there might be the question, would God ever accept me? Would God ever forgive me? Well, these words tell us that those who repent and fear the Lord, this is how he deals with them. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Well, what great words for us to be thinking about at the beginning. We're going to sing our first song now, and what a great privilege it is, whether we're a large group or a small group, to meet together as Christians and to share in that genuine community of love and compassion towards each other, love for God and for each other. And what a witness that is to the world around us. So let's stand and sing.
going to pray now, so let's pray together. Lord God, what a great privilege it is for us to meet together as your people, safe by your grace, and here to worship you. Lord, I pray that this time will truly be that, as we look into your word, as we sing together, as we pray, and as we hear your word read. We ask that it will come with a weight about it, that Lord, it will uh, be something used by your Holy Spirit to teach us, to train us in godliness, perhaps to lead us to Christ if we are far away. Lord, we thank you for the words that we started with, that you do not treat us how we deserve or reward us according to our sins for those who fear you. Lord, we come this evening in confession of our sins. Because we are aware that in our thinking, in our actions, in our speaking, we fall so far short of the standard that you require of love, of honesty, of praiseworthiness. Lord, not only have we uh, sinned against others, but indeed all of our sin truly is against you. Lord, we find that even in the Christian life, in the battle that we face, our progress often seems so slow. Often we find that we're indeed actually being hypocritical sometimes as we, as we say to others what they should do, and yet in our own hearts the same sins lurk about. Often we look to, to walk humbly before you, but our great enemy pride is so subtle and so entangled in the way we think, the way we behave with others, and the, way, the things that we say. And Lord, we ask for your forgiveness. Lord, we're sorry for the words that we have said which have not been quite true. For the words that have put others down and ourselves above others. For the words that have been critical and have knocked out people's confidence. The words that have been prideful, that have made us look far better than we actually are. Lord, whether we're guilty of, of great, what we might call great big outward sins or our more respectable sins. Lord, we are guilty of our sins until we're forgiven. And Lord, we come in confession and confess to you. We don't confess to another person, to a priest, because they are sinners too. We come to the Lord Jesus Christ, who, who had no sin to confess of his own. And how unjust, how awesomely unjust to place our sin on the sinless Son of God. And yet you, Lord God, our Father, out of your love toward us, did just that. That both your justice that was required for our rebellion and sin was laid on Jesus so that you could have mercy on us. You did not spare your only son, but gave him up for us all. Lord, what amazing grace. So that however... If we feel the greatest sin on earth, there is hope for us, there is forgiveness for us. And not just forgiveness, but there is righteousness given to us, accredited to our account. 
Lord, what a great blessing it is to be a Christian. And sometimes we can forget the burden that we used to carry before we followed you. We thank you that at the cross that disappeared. We thank you for the work of your spirit which convicts us of our sin, which shows us what we're really like, which makes us poor in spirit and which humbles us to the point where we say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And you've promised that that cry from the heart will never go unheard, but rather we will go back to our homes justified. Because you love to forgive. You love to heal. You love to restore. And Lord, if we've been Christians for many years and yet perhaps have recently wandered from you, we have failed perhaps in a big way. Lord, we we come back to you because you're the shepherd that goes after the lost sheep. You're the shepherd that restores our soul. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, we come this evening too in confession of the sins of our country, our nation. The way that is good and right for family life, for community life, for work life has been corrupted and eroded and destroyed at its foundations. And Lord, we we confess those sins on behalf of our culture, of our society, of our community. Lord, in your anger, please have mercy on us. Lord, we pray that you will convict men and women of their sin. Lord, what a incomplete message to tell people that Jesus loves them, how unhelpful that is. Lord, when people need to be convicted of their sin, when people need to be humbled so that they need to see how wonderful the love of God is and how much they need it. Lord, that is your great work of the Holy Spirit to convict people of their sin, to convict people of the coming day of judgment and to convict people of the righteousness that they so much need which is only found in God Lord so have mercy on us you've blessed this nation you've blessed us with so much in the past we've thrown so much of it away we ask for days of revival days of your salvation in great power so Lord we thank you this evening At this point, we thank you for the cross of Jesus where all of our sin has been dealt with and we praise you for him. Lord, we want all glory and praise to go to him because he alone is worthy. We thank you, Lord God, for the wonderful way that you exalted him to the highest place over all and that one day indeed every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, our first reading, Bible reading, is in uh, Matthew chapter 5. That's on page 809 in the Church Bibles. Jesus has begun healing people and uh, preaching, and and the fame of him is spreading far and wide quickly. And this is the beginning of his epic sermon which is often known as the Sermon on the Mount. So we're going to read from chapter 5, verse 1 to 12. 
Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We're going to sing a a version of uh, what's called the Beatitudes. Uh, Somebody's put into a hymn. Uh, We're going to sing that next. Blessed are the humble souls who see their emptiness and poverty. Yeah. 
Lord, thank you for the kingdom of God and that by wonderful grace, this church is part of that. Lord, how amazing are the words of Jesus as he came and preached that great sermon. And Lord, as the decades and centuries have gone by, we find ourselves in this short period in which we live on earth uh, to be part of that great commission to go and make disciples of all nations. And on this small patch that we operate in especially, Lord, we join together this evening and ask for your help. Ask that you give us great boldness and great desire to make you known to those around us. Lord, we thank you for what has already been preached and taught today. We thank you, Lord, for the effort and hard work that went into the Thrive Party yesterday evening. Lord, we thank you for John and Steph and the teachers who, who worked so hard in planning that and working that out and for the strength that you gave them, we thank you. We thank you for the children who've been coming to ACE and who came along yesterday. Lord, our great desire and prayer is that they too will, will come under a weekly um, intake of something from your word. Oh Lord, we, we long for that. We pray that the opportunity for those children to come along and be part of Thrive will, will happen. We pray for first steps, Lord. We thank you for the many people who come there and we, we just would love to see a continuation of um, children w- coming into Thrive as well. For families, for parents to be uh, welcomed, as, as we know they are, but to feel that welcome and an interest in what we are about here. Lord, as the seed goes out, help us to be like the farmer who is patient, who goes out to sow the seed uh, diligently and regularly and um, faithfully, and yet has the patience to wait for it to grow. Lord, we have the great encouragement that there's a harvest out there, and Jesus said that that harvest is white and ready to be gathered in. Jesus said that there will be some seed which falls on good ground. And Lord, we we have so much encouragement around us. Uh, The very fact that we are saved by your grace is is a miracle in itself and so we know that can happen to others. And so whether we uh, minister to young people, young children, parents or the elderly, we can have great confidence that your word is powerful and that it is living, and that it is life-changing, and that we are merely the messengers. But Lord, help us to be faithful messengers. Help us to be godly messengers, because the message won't tie up if we don't live it. So Lord, encourage us to do that. Help us in that, we pray. Lord, we pray for Martin, and we thank you for the opportunity he's had at the prison this morning, and on many occasions. Lord, we thank you that whether people are bound or free, your word is powerful and living to whoever your Holy Spirit is sending it to. We pray that you'll bless that work in Bible studies, in exploring Christianity. We pray for those who are Christians locked up, that they will be encouraged and that they will be useful to others. 
Lord, we pray for our church congregation here. We thank you for those who come along. Thank you for the visitors that we had this morning and have had for the last couple of weeks. Lord, we pray that you'll speak to them. We thank you for the ways that you have been encouraging some of them. We ask that it will be the beginning of the journey of faith for them and in seeking you. Lord, we pray for not just ourselves, but for the wider community. We pray for other Bible-believing, faithful churches around in this county. And we pray for those who are especially struggling, struggling with uh, resources of people to do the work, struggling with perhaps with opposition from those in the area, struggling to find people to preach and teach. Lord, we ask that you'd encourage those Christian communities and bless them and provide for them. Make them a blessing to others, Lord, we pray. We pray that we won't lose that sense of being part of a a huge number of people from every kindred and tribe and tongue of people who have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and who are saved. Lord, help us to work in um, with the gifts and the talents that you've given us. Work for the kingdom, for that great day that's coming when we will all be together. What a great day that will be. Help us to play our part in bringing that day in history. Lord, we pray this evening for Christians who suffer for their faith. We've thought of prisons already and we pray for those who are locked up without charge, without um, any particular reason apart from their faith and have been left and it seems they've been forgotten. We pray for all Christians. We especially pray for pastors and teachers. We ask that you'll bless them, make them a blessing there. But Lord, we pray that you'll free them so that they can get back to encourage um, their, 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 Christian, their churches. Lord, we pray for peace where there is war. We commit the wars around the world to you. We especially pray for Israel and for the, the war there. Lord, we ask for peace. Lord, we pray this evening, finally, for our young people and our children. They are bombarded continually with lies and deceit from the world around us. And Lord, we pray that your word will speak much louder into their hearts. That the way that you have shown us to live, uh, that they will see that. That you will open their eyes to what a, a great joy it is to follow you. Lord, save them from the disaster and the heartache of going their own way really but we know there's so much to influence them, to distract them, to deceive them and to lead them astray we pray that while they're young before the years are wasted before the days come when they feel old and too tired to change we pray that while they're young they will seek the Lord with all their heart that their lives will be given usefully in serving you. Lord, bless them, we pray. Bless young Christians. Keep them in their faith. Build them up on the solid ground of your truth so that they're strong in the Lord and ready to do battle. Oh Lord, 
Help us, we pray. Help each one of us. We need your help this coming week as we face the Monday to Saturday. Help us in our working lives, in our caring lives, in our homemaking lives, in our times of suffering, in our times of joy, our times of sadness and bereavement, in our times of being encouraged and progressing. Oh Lord, help us in all our ways to acknowledge you and to trust in the Lord. Amen. Well, we have one more Bible reading, and that's in Luke chapter 8, and that's on page 865. And Jesus has just given the parable of the sower. So in Luke chapter 8, and verse 9. Okay, we can do... No, that's fine. So it's meant to be Luke chapter 18... Luke 18, 9 to 14. If you'd like to get a Bible, do feel free to get one if you'd like to follow along. Okay, so Luke 18, verse 9. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Well, we're going to sing one more time before John comes to preach, and it's a version of Psalm 51. And uh, this is David's great prayer of confession. I'm sure perhaps everyone here who's a Christian has found this helpful in confessing our sins to the Lord. Let's sing it together.
Well, if you uh, noticed the title for this evening, when it was up this morning, or on the bulletin that came through, uh, perhaps it got you thinking, or perhaps it does as you look at it now. Happy are the poor and sad. Happy are the poor and sad. Uh, We're on to just two verses this evening, um, and I think they should get us thinking too, shouldn't they? We're in Matthew 5 and verses 3 and 4 and this is what they say. Do it if you do it for me, I'm not quite sure what I haven't done. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Uh, don't, don't you start asking some questions when you, you read verses like that. I suppose I've been forced to this week because I'm going to speak from it. But isn't it do, do the questions that come to your mind when you look at words like that and think them through? You think, well, how, how can the poor and those that mourn be blessed? You think, isn't that hugely different from what our culture tends to think and say? But you think, well, what actually does blessed mean? What does it mean? Well, what does poor in spirit mean? Am I poor in spirit? Am I mournful in this way? It's thinking, doesn't it? You think uh, it's significant that these are the first two in the, in the list that we're starting to look at. Is there any particular order for it? But you think are people supposed to stay poor in spirit and mournful, or is it just sort of a, a one-off experience? What does it mean? Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But why are they comforted? Are those just future things or are they things that are enjoyed now? These verses encourage me. There's the questions that start to go through your mind, aren't there, when you think of verses like this. Well, we're at the start of um, one of the best, perhaps even the best message ever spoken. It was fresh, it was wise, it was full of insight, it came with a, a real ring of truth about it and it left the listeners amazed. At the end of it we read, and when Jesus finished these sayings, end of chapter 7, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as their scribes. And in the next few weeks, we hope God willing to have a closer look at the start of 
this message, the Sermon on the Mount, as it is called. In Matthew 5 through to Matthew 7, we're having a look at the start of it. Um, And at the start of it, it's often called the Beatitudes. And although we might think it ought to be our attitude, the actual word beatitude is based on the Latin word for, for blessed or blessedness, which is the way in which each of the saying starts. And we're going to be looking at the first two this evening and then hopefully following on, I don't know if they'll be in pairs or individually, as we go forward. So let me read again our two for this evening. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Let's go through different bits of the verse to help us to to think it through. Blessed. 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 The blessed person is described really in eight different ways in these verses. Blessed can mean happy. So that's what I used in the title, happy. Uh, But I put in inverted commas because it's much more than just what we consider smiley face, happy. It means really in a good place. Approved of. Got the right approach to life. Jesus is saying, these people have my smile on them. Things are going well for them and will go well for them. They're in a good place, they're approved, they're deeply happy, they will be happy. These are the people that are blessed. I thought of it like this, maybe it will help. Imagine there's a, an audience and the audience is full of people who represent different attitudes and conditions in life and they've got it written on them as t-shirts and the compare, the show host if you like down the front decides to call some of them down on stage to sort of show them as exemplary and some there have t-shirt, you know, nice big house doing well at school Another one has a t-shirt, sporty. Another one has a t-shirt, bubbly personality. Another one, successful businessman. Another person, well-travelled. Somebody else has perfect health written on there. Another person has great sense of humour. And the show host calls down his first one to go down onto the show, exemplary person, and he calls out and the audience gasps and they look at each other with puzzled expressions because he calls down poor in spirit, sets them up on the stage in front of the others. Blessed are the poor in spirit, says Jesus. This is what he picks out, or one of the eight characteristics and descriptions that he picks out. Luke records something similar 
in, a, in a different message where he puts it just plainly, blessed are the poor. And most of us, we, we don't want to be on the poor side of things, do we? We naturally aspire to be rich. We want to do well for ourselves. The Get Rich Quick websites are buzzing because people want to be wealthy and well off. Because if you're poor, you have little. Now Jesus is here is not talking about being poor generally or financially. It is true that God has a, a great care for the poor generally and financially, but that's not really what is the focus here. It is those who are poor in spirit. They're blessed, the poor in spirit. They are those who know that spiritually they don't have much to shout about. It's the opposite of people being full of themselves. Instead, they feel empty and needy before God. They are poor in spirit. And Jesus says, that's good. They're in the right place. They know what life's about. They're blessed. We saw a great contrast in the um, tax collector and the Pharisee, uh, which we read, which is uh, why I thought I needed to correct what I've done wrong. Thank you, John. There was a great contrast in the tax collector and the Pharisee. Here you had the Pharisee in Luke 18. And this is how he describes himself in his prayer, verses 11 and 12. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. See, he's full of himself. But in contrast, you get the prayer of the tax collector. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He's poor in spirit, you see. He feels empty. He's got nothing to claim. He's just looking in great need for God to show his mercy. Peter felt a bit like that, I think, with his first encounter with Jesus, or with one of his early encounters with Jesus, I should say. Do you remember at the end of the fishing expedition where there was this great miracle when he was confronted with the glory of Christ and he says, Depart from me, I am a sinful man, O Lord. Had that effect on him. Unworthy, empty, nothing to contribute, nothing good about me. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That is our attitude before God. It doesn't mean that they're always a shrinking violet towards others with absolutely no confidence to do anything and always deferring. But before God, there is a spiritual sense of poverty. And I think it's significant 
that these two are at the start because it's really the starting place where people become Christians. They feel deep down, I've got nothing to offer you, Lord. I come in need. I come empty. As the older hymn says, nothing in my hand I bring, Paul, simply to your cross I cling. Can I ask, have you come to that point that Jesus is describing? (coughs) Empty, spiritually, aware of it, poor in spirit. (coughs) Or do you just sort of feel that you wave your credit card of goodness before God when you come to him? You know, a bit like this contactless, you just put... Put it down, you know, on, on, you slap it on there, and it's okay, you've got money in the account, it goes through, you move through. Do you think it's the same with God that you've just got plenty in the account, you can just put your, your card before God and you're on your way? Or do you come thinking, I've got nothing? Nothing before God that can gain me his favour. Just have to ask for his mercy. Isaiah 57 describes it nicely, verse 15. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place, and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly, and to revive the heart of the contrite. You've experienced anything of that? Poor in spirit. Well, the second one builds on this. So, if you like, we've got a second member of our audience. We've got number one up there who's poor in spirit written on his T-shirt. And we're going to call the second one. And the second one is called out. And again, the audience gasp. And they look at each other puzzled. And some of them are thinking, well, what about me? I should be down the front there. Or, or what about her or, or him? That's a much better condition to call down the front. <coughs> but Jesus calls down the one that mourns, puts them up in front of others as the characteristics that he approves of and are well placed. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Mourn. It's a, a deep sense of upset and, and grief. A word's a strong one, isn't it? And a painful one. Um, some of you have known very much of what it is to mourn. It's a strong feeling. It's a, a painful feeling whenever it crosses its way in your life's pathway. Well, the Gospel holds out much encouragement and, and consolation and strengthening to those who mourn naturally in their lives, but that's not the focus here. This is again a spiritual mourning. It's a, a mourning over wrongdoing and sin. Isaiah 61 and verses 1 to 3 are 
are very similar. It's almost drawn from these. And this is in the scene where people have done wrong as a nation and they've experienced the, the consequences. And then this message of good news comes, Isaiah 61, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. Our culture really doesn't do mourning over sin, does it? And we have to be careful that our Christian culture is not the same that doesn't do mourning over sin. It may be true that in some bygone generations that emphasis on mourning and contrition was sometimes excessive, was sometimes very inward focused, was sometimes a a bit hollow really. But we shouldn't allow the 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 wonkiness of the past, if you like, or the things going too fast in the past to push us too much the other way. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn. Psalm 51, which I don't know how you found as you sung that through, when it's a a new song you haven't sung before, you, you concentrate a bit more sometimes, don't you? What did you think as we sang through those five verses which were a, an update, or which was a, a version of Psalm 51. Well, it expresses some mourning. Here are the words themselves. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. You know, it's the work of the Spirit to convict of sin and righteousness and judgment. That's what the Holy Spirit does in people. That's what the Holy Spirit does in us. Why should we feel mournful well if we just think of ourselves in the light of biblical truth it is the right response isn't it we're slow on the uptake we're we're dull We're, we're, we're dull to take it in but if we saw things with clear light, if you, if you measure yourself against the Ten Commandments, especially when you think about them as an attitude of heart, how can you feel at the end? If you were to go onward through this Sermon on the Mount and think of how we compare to it, what sort of feeling does it produce? Or if you take something else, I was thinking of it in terms of this, the fruit of the Spirit and you think of your life compared to love 
and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control and if you stop to think about all those wonderful godly, God-given characteristics and you start to explore your life against them (coughs) isn't it right that there should be some sense of contrition and Mourning, regret and grief. Do these things carry on? When you first become a Christian there's an initial realisation. You feel it perhaps quite heavily, some more than others. But then you're greatly relieved at some of the things we'll come on to in a minute. What about as we go onwards? Well, yes, there are periods when we're really brought to our senses, maybe when we're aware of doing something particularly wrong, particularly painful, particularly damaging. You think of Peter coming to his senses after denying Jesus and he wept bitterly. You think of the Corinthians coming to realise their immorality and what mourning and zeal it brought amongst them. There should be something ongoing about it though, shouldn't there? Paul, it seems speaking as a believer in Romans 7 verse 24, says this of himself. As he thinks of not doing what he ought to do and doing what he ought not to do, he says, verse 24, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of this death? A right sense of regret and sadness at what we do wrong is surely appropriate when we have a right sense of God and his holiness and his perfect, wonderful, loving law of wisdom. Have you ever experienced mourning like this? Yeah, we're different characters, some upset with literal tears for for many days, I remember in my conviction of sin as first became Christian, there were, there were no tears and, and it used to trouble me. I think well, some people have been so upset and you know, I felt it but you know, it, was, it never led to big streams of tears where people are different, the intensity is different but have you had any sense of sin as we call it? expression of sadness about your life confessing it to God in a sense of need have have we lost a sense of this? is it now totally gone? (coughs) blessed are the poor in spirit blessed are those who 
mourn, says Jesus. This is a good place. This is the starting point. They're seeing things that they should do. It leads to great blessings. It's a place of blessedness. And for each of the things that we've come across in this list of eight, there is a, a wonderful benefit linked with those who have been given that attitude by God. And this is the one for poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They're, they're part of God's people. That They have all the good things that come with being linked with God. The Queen of Sheba, when she came to visit Solomon and saw what a wonderful king he was, so wise, said, happy are your people, happy are your servants. What a good thing it is to be in your kingdom. And it is a place of tremendous happiness and blessedness to be within the kingdom of God. We linked to the king. We belong. The benefits are ours. We're part of God's family. He's accepted us. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They're secure. It made me think of asylum seekers. It's quite an issue politically, isn't it? Asylum seekers, and they, they desperately want to get to the UK, and they try all sorts of means, we have this small boats issue, it's a big political issue, because we can't cope with everybody it puts a strain on things, so it needs to be criteria, all these sorts of things, but from their point of view they are desperate to be part of the United Kingdom, and if they're considered and their case comes up sorry, and their case comes up and they're granted that they're accepted and they're allowed to stay, then that's great for them. That's what they travelled from Africa or Asia for. They're part of the kingdom. They're in. And Jesus says, those who are poor in spirit are in the kingdom of God. They're there. They belong. They're safe. They're secure. They have the benefits of being in the kingdom. And that's true now. Through Jesus the poor in spirit are in the kingdom of God. They await the full benefits of the kingdom of God in the future. Those who can pay nothing are given everything. Isn't it? Those who can pay nothing, the poor in spirit, are given everything. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And those that mourn what is the great blessing and benefit of those who mourn? They shall be comforted. They shall be comforted. There is a comfort for those who mourn. There is a comfort for you who mourn. Some are such uh, good comforters, aren't they? Even at a young age, you know, some, some, you know even some, some children are are like that. They see someone upset and, and they go up to them and their arm is round them, they see the tears and they're wanting to cheer them up and to console them and to sympathise with them. The arm of the gospel, if you like, comes round the mournful to comfort them. There's gospel comfort now. 
the tax collector went home justified. He was accepted. He was welcome. He was forgiven. I was thinking with somebody this week who felt very much the wrong that they'd done. The verse at the start of Romans 8, there is now therefore no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Comfort. The final song we're singing in a minute or two, great comfort to those who feel the pain of the things that they've done wrong. There is forgiveness through Christ. Part of the blessing of being poor in spirit and mournful is that it drives us to Christ so that we find the forgiveness which he grants and we are justified and made righteous. And that comfort, well, shall be enjoyed eternally, more completely, more fully. Some of those who are good at comforting, they don't don't just put the arm round, do they? They... They see the tears and and they get get a tissue out of the box or something. They wipe away the tears of the person who's upset in an intention to comfort them and ease their difficulties. And believers are heading to a place where it says he will wipe away all tears from their eyes. No mourning there. No tears there past the sense of sin and its pain then, past the consequences of sin in life then, he will wipe away all tears from their eyes. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So if you felt uh, poor in spirit to some degree, still do perhaps, should do perhaps. You, you mourned to some degree, still do perhaps, should do perhaps. Don't forget, you're in the kingdom. Don't forget, there are great reasons for comfort. Well, maybe some of the questions have been answered as you think about these profound words of Jesus, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Well, we're going to sing the song before the throne of God above, which describes the wonderful sense of comfort there is in through having Jesus as our saviour and our high priest. So drink in the the comfort that this song of truth gives. Before the throne of God above I have a strong, a perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me.
Oh Lord, you know our hearts. You know where we are full of ourselves and have never got to that point of being poor in spirit and mournful over sin. We pray that the words of Jesus this evening may be used by the Spirit to wake us up to our real need and real situation. Lord, many of us have found the wonderful comfort that comes through Christ's death on the cross, uh, the, the wonder of being part of your kingdom. Help us to enjoy that comfort as we go forward. Or maybe some of us feel that we used to be more poor in spirit and mournful than we are now and that our senses have somewhat dulled. Lord, we want to enjoy the wonderful comfort and freedom of the gospel. We don't want to live as those who feel desperate as though they're unforgiven. But we do pray that we'll have that right sense of combination of a joy and a freedom and a relief in the gospel of Christ that still goes hand in hand with a sense of lowliness, humility and need. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.